In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Hey, have you heard the Virginia Lottery has a new Willy Wonka Golden Ticket Scratcher that has a top prize of $100,000? Tell that to my automated Golden Ticket Scratcher apparatus. You simply put the ticket in here, and the machine scratches it for you. And while we wait, we can play the Willy Wonka Golden Ticket online game with a top prize of $1 million. Just visit VALottery.com or use the lottery app. That's one impressive scratcher apparatus. Use it whenever. What's mine is yours. But hands off the scratcher. That Willy Wonka Golden Ticket is all mine. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? Kind of creepy? I don't know. It felt a man that was like technically an attractive form of the Crypt Keeper kept yelling the specials. (laughs) I was okay at Joe's Crab Shack, all right? I cannot imagine. I I could see him at being at Joe's Crab Shack. I was very bad at it. I can imagine. I I put my own little like spin on it, you know? You didn't do it right. It was a franchise. They knew what to do, but you You want some cheddar biscuits? (laughs) (laughs) You know, we're all just skeletons covered with meat. Anyways, our specials are we got a Joe's Krabby Bucket and it's chock full of them. <laughs> that does sound exciting. Uh, are we good to go? We are. All right. Welcome to the show. I'm Ben Kissel. This is the last podcast on the left. I'm Ben Kissel. That's Marcus Parks. Hi. Oh, I thought I was on Nerd of Mouth. Why would oh, you think that? Batman versus Superman made me upset. Oh, <laughs> oh. All right. Well, let's not go plug in all the other shows, huh? <laughs> I thought Batman versus Superman was excellent. It was terrible. Man. You're a contrarian. Yeah, no, you're a contrarian. There was a lot you're of explosions. Saying, you're just saying that because it made me upset. No, you guys were just sober. You didn't watch it right. That's actually yeah, true. That is actually yeah. very true. We were true. bone sober. We had a nice man stayed out. It, oh, yeah. America, if you could have seen it. It was <laughs> yeah. me. Marcus and Kissel and Marcus, I had a great time. we had a great time. Yeah. And then, but Marcus and I had a lovely date where we got hamburgers with each other, but yeah. they did not serve alcohol at the at the restaurant. And so when we arrived to the movie, we were sober like two good boys. Yeah, I brought in some whiskey like you're supposed to. I knew the movie was going to be garbage, and I was impressed. <laughs> it was great. It's like your dad's supping on a flask, watching you wrestle. Yeah, kind of good if you're drunk. He's really kind of good. If you think about it, but, intoxicated. But you were a good wrestler. I was pretty good. I got third in state my senior year, Division Three. All right. <laughs> Speaking of good wrestlers and thro- strong thighs, <laughs> I'm a Shinrikyo. Um, Shinrikyo. Part two. Uh, so th- the first episode, we went into the beginnings of Om Shinrikyo and how uh, they started relatively innocently. It was, a, it was still a scam from the very beginning, but there were a lot of people in Japan at the time that were looking for some sort of religious belief, some sort of connection. Mm-hmm. There are people like, look, because the um, the empire had fallen, people were kind of lost and, and dealing with shit very similar into the 1960s in America, which is the places where we see where Scientology came from, where the jo- Jonestown family came from, and that, that whole universe. Uh, so what we're going to see in this episode is how Om Shinrikyo makes the turn, like how Jonestown, when they moved from San Francisco mm-hmm. to South America and things got a little bit more fucking serious and a little bit more yeah. dangerous. This is when Om um, Shinrikyo went from Yata, we are b- b- uh, members of the spaceship Yamato, to uh, Cobra Commander uh, ruling Cobra versus G.I. Joe. Yeah. yeah, these guys turned into full cartoon supervillains. Like I say, and I use, I actually, like, it, when you look at, like, say, the Nazis, like, the Nazis were supervillains, but, you know, they they invented the supervillain. Like, before the Nazis, well, they super- had uniforms, and they there had- was other villains before the Nazis. But not supervillains. We did not see. So it's kind of a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> I don't just, get it. But he did it with flair. Yeah. He did it with style. Yeah. He did it with like Hugo a thing. Boss. Yes, <laughs> Hugo Boss. Yeah, 
yeah, they, they absolutely did that. But Om Shinrikyo, they were like a copy of supervillains. Like they were actually like you could argue that Om Shinrikyo is the most magical cult that there was. They actually, they, I mean, they are the definition of uh, what is it? Perception plus ritual equals reality. Yes, these guys took fiction and they made it real. It is a thing that uh, that Asahara would talk about, and they've talked about afterwards called action prophecy, which is this thing where it's like he builds up this idea of we are we are the the cult that is going to live through Armageddon. Armageddon's definitely going to happen. It's definitely going to happen. And the reason why it's definitely going to happen is because I'm going to make it happen. <laughs> but what they didn't count on was Ben Affleck's Batman. If only <laughs> he, he was there. Because yeah. he would have frowned his way until they stopped. Get out <laughs> they would have just been disappointed by how upset he was all the time. Mm. Um, it was, but this is a very interesting turn. Um, what uh, I think in the first one, it, it just... It's really hard to um, get the message across that they were incredibly dangerous. I mean, they committed a terrorist act. And when the, also the big difference between Aum Shinrikyo and the Nazis is that when the Nazis were doing the, the, the final solution and they were killing the Jews, it was to hurt the Jews and purify the, their race. Aum Shinrikyo got to believe that when we kill people, we not only do them good, but we do us good. Everybody's nice. getting points. Everybody's getting soul points. And that makes an incredibly dangerous combination with uh, biochemical... Uh, weapons and literally a billion dollars at your disposal. Ooh. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and let's start in 1989. Speaking of how dangerous these people are, like they very much, they started off small, much like a lot of serial killers. They start off small with an accidental death. Or and rabbits. Then they, <laughs> yeah. And then they really ramp up uh, how dangerous they are. Let's start in 1989 with the tragedy of Sitsumi Sakamoto. Now, Om Shinrikyo's membership wasn't just limited to nerdy adult computer programmers looking for an escape. Remember, they got their start in Twilight Zone magazine, so they're going to attract a lot of teenagers as well. And the mm. thing is, is that it seems like Japanese families do a lot of shit as a group and as like a family. They all show up with like mom, dad, baby brother, and baby sister all in one go. Like a healthy family. Like, like how families are supposed to be? But no, it seems like everybody kind of jumps in head first, which is their enthusiasm is both inspiring and also, as we can see, very dangerous. <laughs> don't be, yeah, don't be enthusiastic about anything. <laughs> no, yeah. that's not true, man. That's what I say. Yeah, it just always leads to a suicide cult. No, it doesn't. What was the last thing you were enthusiastic about that turned out well? This show! This last You've never been enthusiastic. <laughs> that's not true. Marcus is not enthusiastic. Oh, He's I'm not stressed. You're often stressed about it? Not Honest. anymore. Right now, I'm, I'm quite happy and content with life. We all taking Jackie's stress taps. <laughs> Aren't those just... Clonopins. Okay. <laughs> no, you know, I'm, I'm very enthusiastic of the show, you know, and, and the, the love's still real, Kissel. Yeah. Okay, uh, fine. I'm not saying that love isn't real. I'm saying enthusiasm leads to cult activity. Well, maybe. I mean, we'll, we'll look at the show. We'll, for yeah, we'll see, we'll see how this whole last podcast thing uh, shakes out in the exactly. next couple I'll of years. I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. Right. So by 1989, 23 families had formed a coalition led by a young anti-cult lawyer and family man named Sitsumi Sakamoto, who was tasked with releasing the compound's miners from Asahara's clutches. Also, a part of what he was doing was taking vials of Asahara's blood, because at the time, mm. Asahara was using the the uh, validation of the I'm a special creature my DNA is special that is why I am the most enlightened one and why it happened to me quicker than it did the original Buddha and so he took the blood and he was like I'm going to take it to a doctor and I'm going to break down the DNA in this blood so people could see that he's just a guy well the other thing about the uh, blood is that the Japanese actually have an odd superstition about blood type is mm. that they believe that you can predict certain characteristics and certain mannerisms uh, as far as blood type goes and and Om Shinrikyo, they used to say that those uh, with O blood type mm. would be more likely to break Buddhist law. So oh. therefore, they didn't trust people with O blood type. It's uh, very bizarre. Mr. Shakamoto, I can see here by your blood test that you are supposed to have small feet and be obedient, just like the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I must have red blood, huh? <laughs> ah. So the families had turned to Sakamoto after getting no help whatsoever from the police, who said the matter was between parent and child. So to light a little fire under Om Shinrikyo, Sakamoto started bad-mouthing them on local radio. Their feet smell! The feet smell and they got bad food and, and, and they got no swing set! I go out in the playground where the children are supposed to be and there's no swing set! 
I don't know. I don't think that's a full Asian accent. So yeah, I'm dipping in. I'm dipping in. I'm dipping in. I'm dipping a toe in. I'm not trying to do it all the time. All right. Yeah. I'm, I can do different voices. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you know what? If there's one thing that got Ohm's attention every single time, it was bad press. So Asahara gathered his inner circle and said. We must send Counselor Sakamoto's soul away by any means. So Asahara raised his hand, snapped his finger, and left his men to deal with Sakamoto as they saw fit. Man, if only we had that. (laughs) We would get so much more stuff done if we could make, like, Meg go kill people. (laughs) I guess so. Take Travis and, like, go poa his soul, young Travis. Oh, young Sapien is too busy learning how to read with his hand eyes. I think we would get less done if we sent everyone to go murder people as opposed to do research for the show. No, 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 no. It's about making connections and stepping over bodies. Yeah, that's how you make it this business. Okay. So the team that uh, that uh, so the team that Asahara sent included Hideo Morai, Ohm's chief scientist, Satoru Hasimoto, the cult's martial arts expert, and Doctor Tamamasa Nakagawa, a physician who had joined the cult just two months prior. And this really tells you the power of Shoko Asahara, the charm that this guy had. And I mean, and he could charm anybody. Shoko uh, actually went on a a TV, like a national Japanese talk show uh, that was hosted by like this very respected, very hard-nosed like journalist slash uh, stand-up comedian slash actor. And he was... <laughs> Which is very strange to say a serious combination of those three things. Yeah, yeah and, but he was... In Japan, like, yeah, he was a very serious individual. And he was taken very seriously. And he was known to ask the hard questions. And he was known to take no shit. And Asahara went in and had him in the palm of his hand in 15 minutes. He just seems like when you look at him, the thing is on paper and looking at a picture of, of Asahara, he is what you imagine a guru to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, but what he taught was this thing, what he was trying to get everyone to attain was this thing called a sacred carefree mind, which is this idea, it meant caring nothing if you harm me or if I harm you, which is this concept that like literally just like he's teaching them being like, no, you will jump and kill because it's a part of your mystical purpose. We're poeing these people. When I say go poe somebody, that means we're sending them heaven it's good it's all good and so these guys just jump right in yeah so at 3 a.m the trio entered sakamoto's apartment to find him sleeping in his bed with his wife while their one-year-old son slept one room over and in their possession were ropes hammers a club and seven syringes full of potassium chloride and that's also because they fucked up they were supposed to show up when he was alone they were supposed to get him alone and not kill the whole family I thought it was because they were going to really play the game of Clue Yeah, (laughs) in in real life that's exciting Uh, just where's the candlestick Shakamoto I love the candlestick (laughs) so actually what they were supposed to do is they were supposed to kidnap Sakamoto outside of his office but they didn't plan it up because that day was actually a national holiday so he didn't show up Oh, yeah, we all, exactly. Everybody's taking a break. Yeah, yeah, everybody's taking a break. People in other countries take holidays really seriously. Yeah. Just in America that we're forced to fucking work through Christmas. <laughs> Most of the time. I will say, if you're going to kidnap somebody and based around the location of where they work, go in when they're entering the building because they're sloggy. Yeah. They're slow. <laughs> they don't want to go to work. Have you ever seen people when they get out of work, they're they're like happy mice. They're just no. like, well, I'm they also, move so fast, even would, if they're fat. Walking into the office, I was mostly begging for death. Yeah. Yes, I was I like, take me now. No, absolutely. Oh, you're going to kidnap me? I'll go. I won't even have to go. Yeah, of course I'll go. Is that a bag to put me in? This you is an old have... Navy bag. <laughs> just put it over my head. Do something. Come on. We got to convince my boss that this is fucking legit. And they're like, it is legit. Yeah, but on the way home, you're just like, leave me alone, you know? So while they're in the house, one of the cultists, presumably the scientist or the physician, woke up the baby mm. with his clumsy movements. The martial arts expert isn't fucking this up. No, of He knows not. what he's doing. No, yeah. yeah, because he's got the two balls in his hands that make the jingle jangle noises because he's not allowed to step and move anymore once you become an expert unless you can do that without making the jingle jangle. Oh my God, yeah. So awoken by the baby's cries, Sakamoto walked into his son's room to find one ohm cultist suffocating the infant with a rag while injecting him with a syringe. The other two wrestled Sakamoto to the ground and tried to inject him as well, but when that proved too difficult, the baby killer crushed Sakamoto's skull with a hammer, and his wife met the same 
fate. So the bodies were bundled up in blankets, dumped into metal drums, which the Japanese seem to have a thing for. I think they have a lot of metal drums just hanging around. <laughs> yeah. And disposed of the three bodies in three different prefectures, but not before they yanked out the victim's teeth to prevent easy identification. And even though a badge from Om Shinrikyo was found at the scene, cops still refused to investigate the cult. Now, while we don't have time to cover just how many times the police either ignored or botched investigations concerning Om Shinrikyo, just know that with almost every illegal thing Ohm did from murder to manufacturing chemical weapons to massive drug deals with the Yakuza, Japanese authorities had very clear paths to investigating and possibly prosecuting these crimes, but failed to do so for years. And now the part of the reason why is because they have a sort of attitude towards religious groups, right? Where it's like they, they literally have a hands-off approach where they kind of let these, these people do what they're going to do yeah. because they don't really understand their ways a lot of the time and they don't want to upset anybody. Well, they well, don't want to be uh, they don't want to be accused of religious persecution. It happens all. all look at Warren Jeffs in Utah. Yeah. You know, that cult went on for decades well, and technically, he was having sex with all the children. Well, yeah, because technically they, everybody just assumed, "Oh, but that's what they do in Mormonism. They fuck their kids and they have nine <laughs> wives." And right. like there's a lot of normal Mormons that were trying to be like, "No, no, we wear spiritual diapers. That's our <laughs> shit." I love the Mormon diaper, by the way. It's a great <laughs> idea. Yeah. Keep you warm. <laughs> What's what the idea? Oh, they just wear extra underwear. Just fucking skid marked, fucking just sweat ridden, not... fucking rags driven you by Jesus Christ. <laughs> they don't even drink coffee. There's no Disgusting. skid marks anyway. It's a different episode. <laughs> but yeah. now we're also going. to... So in this period of time too, right after these murders. So now in 19, in 1988, they've been murdering a lot of people that have been trying to speak out or leave the cult. They poe with them every single time that they would try to leave. You would do that. You try to get rid of the drop karma. We would use whatever. But in 1989, they ran for election. Right. And so when they lost everything, they ran 25 members for the Diet or whatever, however we pronounce that for the Japanese government. And they lost the whole thing. And this caused Asahara to kind of flip out. Yeah, it caused him to flip out, especially because, you know, they went door to door. They campaigned. They used the, the big paper mache heads. Yeah, the big paper mache heads. They used these cult members to go door to door. They used them as door knockers. And since they fi- after they finally got out of the compound and were no longer in this siege mentality, this cult mentality, a lot of cult members left. They, they were like, leave. They were like, oh shit, oh, the real world exists. Pretty girls yeah. out that don't wear electrode caps exist. So a lot of them actually left. And that was really, that was one of the very few snags that Om Shinrikyo had. He bounced back from that pretty quick. But the quickly. way he yeah. bounced back from that was literally becoming Cobra Commander. <laughs> That's when he started realizing, like, yeah. oh, we gotta take this shit to the next level yeah. because my normal Armageddon shit is not not really reading anymore. I need results. Yeah, canvassing for local politics, doors getting slammed in your face constantly, and then you see the outside world to boot. Of course you're going to leave. Yeah. yeah. I would never canvass. It's I canvassed for John <laughs> Kerry. It was a goddamn nightmare. <laughs> Good lord, yeah, because people are just like, no, no, have my children. And I'm like, I'm just trying to get you to vote for the Democrat. Okay, I got it. And now I'm just walking with a bunch of eight kids being like, so you're our giant daddy now? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Now, as often happens in cults, as soon as the murder starts, so too does the paranoia. What do you think that is, Marcus? Mm. Well, well, I mean, you see that with Om Shinrikyo, you talk about like how uh, the elections failed, and so he had to ratchet it up uh, in order to keep people there. It's a lot like Charles Manson. You know, how when he decided he wanted to go out to Death Valley in order to get these women from like leaving and not going with him to Death Valley, he had to say, the race war is coming. Yeah, oh. and then also promised dune buggies. <laughs> and then <laughs> he, delivered, reason, he delivered on dune buggies. Technically the only <laughs> thing he delivered on. <laughs> and yeah. although some cults explode very quickly after the cult's First murders, such as what happened with Manson and Jonestown, Shoko Asahara was able to channel that paranoid energy into what essentially became a war machine. And as the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Oh, thank you, Marcus. Very nice. You're very welcome. Ohm began their weapons program with the development of one of the deadliest substances on Earth, Clostridium botulinum, the bacteria that causes the deadly disease 
Botulism. Now, I uh, thought botulism was just one of those shit diseases where you shit yourself to death. In extremely small cases. Yeah, very, very, very small. But botulism, even botulism in uh, food poisoning can be fatal. It turns oh. you inside out. Yeah, it'll turn you inside out. <laughs> That's it. See, you bo- just sound like a man, like looking at a myth, like a, an old Chevy, just like yeah. sucking out of a beer, just like, or turn you inside out, turn you inside out. <laughs> yeah, that's a, you sounded like Ed Gein there. <laughs> <laughs> he, he had a great way of speaking like whenever he kinda, spoke. Like you're kind of joking, but you're also speaking from experience. But no one's, mean, really, it no will, one's really sure if you're yeah, joking or not. They're like, oh man, yeah, that old kissel. <laughs> Very good. So botulinus toxin, in its pure form, is 16 million times more toxic than strychnine, with the only substance topping it in toxicity being plutonium. To give some perspective, a lethal dose for a human being can be as small as one five hundredth the size of a grain of sugar. Botulinus, the way it works, is that it blocks transmissions to your brain that regulate the involuntary nervous system, shutting down the lungs and the heart, which is preceded by up to 36 hours of severe vomiting and diarrhea. Yikes. Good for weight loss. It just seems like a thing that happens on a lot of Greyhound buses. <laughs> oh, like constantly. You get a lot of the, the first 36 hours on a oh Greyhound bus. Um, what I also find interesting about his reach into biochemical weapons is that he believed they were the tech-savvy cult. He loved technology. That was a part of where the anime shit that came from the very beginning. Because I was trying to be like, why is he obsessed with chemical weapons? Mm -hmm. And it's because it made him that much more superior. He was trying to prove that I can bend the power of the... I can mend the power of the spirit with the power of technology and truly make Aum Shinrikyo the cult that lasts through Armageddon. They will make them shit and piss themselves (laughs) and vomit for 36 hours. Last podcast on the left is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Thanks, Squarespace. With Squarespace, it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your own terms. Don't let anybody tell you what's new. This ain't your mama's website platform. It is, actually. It's actually be very easy for your mother to learn. You don't want to miss Fluid Engine. It's a next-generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. I thought it was just the name of what my blood pressure medication turned me into. Um, I'm peeing. Now, my goals for the year are I have two warehouses filled with horse picks. Now, I know a lot of people, uh, obviously this bit has been done, but the Zendaya centaur picks are not going anywhere. And I've been trying to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale line out. Uh, I need these moved, okay? Because I have to move into the storage unit. Let's just say there are problems at home. So I need Squarespace to shoot this through the roof for me this year. And that's why I'm going to go full tilt and not only are you going to get the judge reinhold sitting on the clydesdale entire series clothes and non-clothes what we also are going to offer and i mean this we're trying to get into draft rides i brought this up the other day we got to start riding other animals but horses take pictures of the horses photoshop the horses into other celebrities but stop riding them save a horse ride a giraffe with Squarespace. Go head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com. A car is never just a car. Kelly Blue Book knows it's so much more than that. It's your commuting chariot, your road trip refuge, your I just need a reason to get out of the house. Your car is there for everything. And for everything car, there's Kelly Blue Book. Need a new set of wheels? Price it on Kelly Blue Book. Problem under the hood? Fix it with Kelly Blue Book. Can another car do the job better? Trade it or sell it on Kelly Blue Book. We're here mile after mile, moment after moment. Price it, fix it, trade it, sell it. KBB.com. Visit kellybluebook.com to get the journey started. Welcome back to our studio where we have a special guest with us today, Toucan Sam from Fruit Loops. Toucan Sam, welcome. It's my pleasure to be here. Oh, and um, it's... Fruit Loops, just so you know. Uh, fruit? Fruit. Yeah, fruit. No, it's Fruit Loops. 
the same way you say studio. That's not how we say it. Fruit Loops, find the loopy side. And he also got really into William Gibson. He got mm. real, like, they got a hold of a copy of Neuromancer, and woo! Yeah. There's just certain things that are just dangerous in certain people. This hands. is why you need bullies and football players. He was the bully! He, yeah, he was No, the bully. but he was a nerd who no. needed to be bullied no. by a football player. No, no he no. learned the ways of the nerd. He learned how to hone the power of the nerd. It's I'm sort just of saying, like if Tom Brady walked in that door, everyone would have been sucking his nub, and this guy's out of there. That's different, because he also would have been a foot taller than everybody and they would have been assumed he was a spiritual giant from one of their fabled mountains. That's true. But no, he Asahara literally, it's like the Nazis again, where the Nazis, where we talked about how like it's like the nerd power gone go, go, oh, fucking amok, mm-hmm. is what he did was a bully that managed to harness just the sheer horsepower of nerds. Yeah. He's, it's like he's got their brains on hamster wheels and they're, and they're fucking working a giant floating starship. So if he had his way, it would be like, that has 60 nerd power. Yeah, That's literally. a wonderful car, 60 yeah. nerd power and on that. Last people in the world you want highly motivated I agree. is the Japanese. I thought you were going to say nerds. <laughs> Japanese nerds. The Japanese are, is the only country in the world that actually recognizes a disease that is death by overwork. Like <laughs> You do not want the Japanese on a mission. I love sushi. Take me. <laughs> I want to go to Japan. I still feel like if I go to Tokyo, that's where I would belong. That's oh, where yeah, you would rule great. like a king? <laughs> <laughs> Short, fat, tiny man. It says here in scroll will come and be the one that was supposed to unite all of Japan. But all of Japan is already united, Chakamoto. <laughs> yes, it is most interesting how the fable seems to already have been true, but it will be made more true by this young Zabrowski song. <laughs> I think that's the, the plot line for Beverly Hills Ninja. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so by April of 1990, Ohm had a fully functioning biolab attempting to produce mass quantities of weaponized botulinus toxin. And while we know the Ohm Shinrikyo cult for their somewhat successful sarin attack in 1995, that was by no means their first attempt. It was pretty successful, Marcus. Yeah. I'm going to say it was. It was did its job. I say somewhat successful because yeah. it fell far short of projections. Well, yeah, yeah. it was supposed to kill a million people. Yeah. It didn't even come close. No, it, it killed 11. I would say it's a total failure. It's still bad. <laughs> it's still bad. It's, it's still, still bad, it's, but by Japanese standards? I know they are they it's like a B B minus. Yeah, if those if oh. those yeah, if the B minus that's a I think F. it's a D. And if you're going for a million, what did they kill 11? 11. That's that's not even on the chart. That's an, that's an F. If those guys wouldn't have been arrested and sentenced to death, they would have been heading towards the suicide force. I, I guess guarantee. I guess oh, yeah. I'm just being most generous because I'm the future emperor of Japan. <laughs> yeah, that's very nice of you. <laughs> so, Ohm's very first terror plan was to contaminate an area by fitting a special spraying device to the exhaust of a car, which is a technique that the CIA actually used to test toxic weapons on New Yorkers in the 1950s. And LSD. That was a part of to see if we could generate a a cute little freakout in the middle of a major city because we're the CIA in the 1950s and we just don't give a shit about human life. Yeah, exactly. Well, this idea is just terrible when it comes to the acid in the car. We're just getting followed by a bunch of hippies. I gotta say, man, I think we may have put that muffler and backwards because you are looking like a talking tomato vine. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> now, this car would be driven around and around Japan's capital capital building, spraying it with botulinus toxin and killing hundreds in the process and completely destabilizing the Japanese government and the world's economy in one fell swoop. And in Asahara's mind, the next, next logical move for Japan would be to blame America, start World <laughs> War III, and Harumageddon would kick in a high gear with Asahara and Ohm being the last group standing. He never, he, oh, he always shot for the moon. <laughs> yeah, he, he did. Because he knew that if he missed, he'd land amongst the stars. That's right. right. And you really can't say anything other than like, Fuck yeah. I mean, like, once you <laughs> say, like, gotta do, oh, yeah. you're going to start World War Three. All right, let's do that. Uh, this is yeah. how we're doing it. Let's do it. You yeah. know, and then the next thing is like, I'm going to invent this thing. It's called a Miley Cyrus. And <laughs> oh, does it most show its pubic hair, young sapien? You will see. 
<laughs> so thankfully, both this and their second attempt, which was directed at the Prince of Japan's royal wedding, both failed because Ohm scientists couldn't figure out how to properly weaponize botulinus. See, weaponizing biological weapons and chemical weapons are two very different things. <gasps> They're very difficult. We yeah. were talking about is that it also a big thing that Marcus brought up, which was very interesting when we were talking on the phone while I was in the supermarket, is how difficult <laughs> it is to create biological weaponized, weaponized biological weapons is because they're better uh, in wet form than dry form and it's harder to spread wet form on a bunch of people without them realizing they're getting sprayed with a fucking hose filled with botulism. <laughs> Open up a bagel place. Smear it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the, of course, uh, the wet stuff doesn't travel on the wind as well. Uh, <laughs> it's not a renegade who likes Bob Seger. <laughs> yeah, it's not a drifter just like who's looking for that one good turn in his life. Yeah. But one important thing to remember during all of this as far as them developing the biological weapons, the scientists working day and night, they were not biologists. They were not chemists. While there certainly were physicians on staff, these people were mostly engineers and computer scientists. And this, you brought up a really great point here, which is awesome, which is, this is how smart the people were that he brought into Aum Shmrikyo, because these, literally, these biologists and and They weren't biologists. They were engineers. Yeah, these engineers taught themselves how to make chemical weapons. They taught themselves how to do it. Yeah, and like a couple mm. of years, with a little bit of help from the Russians that we'll get into later, but for the most part, is that these people were extremely motivated, and they taught themselves chemistry. That's they taught themselves biology. It's incredibly difficult. <laughs> I had teachers try years to teach me any form of science. Yeah, but the teachers knew. But no, but barely. <laughs> it was a Florida public school. Yeah, they didn't know not, what they were doing. There wasn't a lot for them to do. Yeah. yeah, but they were just reading out of a textbook that was written by the tribe. Lateral commission <laughs> in order to make me a fucking slave to bell systems. Did it work? Yes. No. I still the hairs raised on the back of my neck every time the tone on the train comes, and I only blame high school every single time. Now, this here is the difference between Om Shinrikyo and, say, Heaven's Gate. Now, while both were obsessed with science fiction, Heaven's Gate focused mostly on the utopian model of science fiction in Star Trek. With a little bit more suicide <laughs> tossed in there. Yeah. Well, we'll get there. And Ohm was staunchly dystopian with Asimov's found the foundation. So while Heaven's Gate peacefully killed themselves trying to hitch a ride on a star mm. to explore the cosmos... Om Supreme Truth attempted to bring about the end of the world so they could rule over the ashes. It's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. A little bit of this, a little bit of it that. It takes a village. <laughs> I mean, from a cultist perspective, I'd rather be part of Om Shonrikyo. No, yeah, because to live. No, I'm going to put it this way, Kissel. I, one thing I know about you is that it is very difficult to get you to do work that you volunteered for. <laughs> never mind work that then you'd be forced to do by a stinky man in a robe. You, you hungry? Number one, you hungry? No sleep, <laughs> walking around, no booze. You can't touch any of the women. The booze I don't like. But other than that, I work very, very hard. No, I'm just saying. Yeah, you, no, no, no. He you works, choose no, to. He works very hard it's just impossible to get him to believe in anything exactly that's the problem well, yeah. you really, you'd really have to believe in the the goals of Ohm no I'm not I don't have to believe in what this fat nerd is saying I'm just saying <laughs> this is the problem if I, but I, I but I don't mind the idea of hey let's try to get World War 3 going as opposed to <laughs> let's wear some crappy Nike shoes we bought from Payless and kill ourselves <laughs> see well what these two cults share is that they were both filled with people that thought they were way too smart for organized religion but were still looking for answers and still looking for somebody to tell them what to do. I mean, these are like those assholes on the internet. It's like, well, oh, Christianity. How dare you follow Christianity? That is what idiots follow. And then they will take their entire belief system from an anime. You know, right. they'll model their entire lives off of a comic book. Like, they'll say, I don't worship God. I worship Batman. No, they, well, yeah. it's, it's very interesting. They also said it's a lot of it's people that they, they said a lot of uh, members of the lowest, the lowest reform, the drone class of Om Shinrikyo were people that were very antagonistic towards society. Yeah. They were like punks. And so the idea is... Oh, that, don't compare them to punks. But they're, they're like internet trolls. Yes, but they were like internet trolls. But the idea is that mm. they get pulled into there and uh, they... But at the same time, it's this fucked up thing is that they just needed a stern enough daddy. They just didn't have a stern enough daddy and then mm. they show up to this group where Asahara is going to be the stern daddy you never had to the point where he'll fucking kill you if you don't want to be... 
a clone of his brain. That's another thing to remember about Om Shinrikyo. At the center of this cult is the concept that Asahara was trying to create an army of him. Yeah. That is why he believed in self-preservation and in literally preservation of the cult and moving forward. He wanted to live through Armageddon. He wanted to create it and then live through Armageddon so fully that it did only to the point of being like, I'm literally going to create a million copies of myself and if you were anything less than a perfect copy of me, I kill you. Well, the other thing uh, as far as the daddy thing goes is that a lot of these people in Japan, especially during this period, during this financial boom, uh, Fathers just weren't around. They were working constantly. They were. Uh, they yeah, they really a, were. Like they were. Give your fathers a break. <laughs> <laughs> they were working 12, 15 hours a day. So these kids, they never saw the, their father, and they were looking for a father, and they found that in Shoko Asahara. So by 1991, the cult had gone from just a few nerds hanging out in Asahara's studio apartment to a membership of seven. Thousand in Japan alone, chiefly due to Asahara's impressive propaganda machine. Now, their editorial department published Asahara's lectures, a monthly cult magazine, and the crown jewel of their efforts, manga and anime starring Shoko Asahara as the main character. And most of the content of these animes, because I was looking it up as much as I was trying to find a copy of one of the animes, and I couldn't find it. Now, I found the cartoon stuff, but I couldn't find the mangas. Mm-hmm. And I was going through, but a lot of the content I kept reading is that it's literally people begging Asahara to kill them, and he's like, uh, you're not enough like me yet. And it's just all like, it's all, it's very strange. Just happily being like, kill me, Asahara. So with so many people in the organization, Asahara declared that after reading the entire Bible cover to cover, he realized that he was not just the loving, all-knowing guru, but he was also the second coming of Jesus Christ, oh. saying the similarities between himself and Jesus were just too numerous to ignore. Is this a cry for help, Marcus? Are you going to change by the time you're done reading all of the Bible for the Patreon account? <laughs> yeah, but he's not going to choose Jesus. He's going to be like some off character that was mentioned eight times. I'm Heraclitus, the god of dawn. <laughs> when was you mentioned? What, what Heraclitus. <laughs> okay. Hello, you may now call me Asmodeus. Oh, Very actually, cool. I like that. I like that persona. I like Asmodeus as well. But the compounds, you know, but he's saying that he's this Christ-like figure, that he's here to save everybody, but the compounds themselves, which were not starting to number in the hundreds, nearing a thousand, as big a hell holes as ever. Well, he was cutting overhead. Yeah, he was way right. cutting overhead, because the main compound outside of Tokyo housed hundreds of people living in structures that one person described as a cross between a canning factory and a concentration camp. I love Ooh. getting right in there. Yeah. Right <laughs> in between a yeah, that yeah. is, ooh, mm, uh, yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah. And as the compound grew, so did the cruelty. Cultists were now required to undergo a ritual called the Holy Fire Service in which they were forced to eat whatever the priest felt like feeding them that day. It could be anything from two entire raw cabbages mm. to a dozen tangerines, all mm. force-fed in one sitting. And if the cult member wasn't able to hold the massive amount of food down, they would be forced to eat their own vomit. Is it Not bad? that much. Is it bad that I have a full-on erection? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, that I certainly don't have one. <laughs> it's kind of exciting, though. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every kind day's a new day, man. It's like chopped. <laughs> it is like chopped. What's in the basket? <laughs> Another odd culinary addition was that of the bitter cookie. Mm. No one knew what was actually in it. But what they did know, that rather than being baked in a kitchen, the bitter cookie was made by scientists in the same lab they were using to experiment with botulism. Some societies would call this bitter cookie a bit of an A. Ookie cookie. <laughs> it's an ookie cookie. <laughs> but uh, it seems that young Asahara here <laughs> has lost the game of bitter cookie and must be forced to eat it. <laughs> I like it. Oh, I seem to really enjoy this bitter cookie. I'm sure. Yeah. I love it when I lose. A lot of people used to play that ookie cookie game. The last one to ejaculate had to eat the cookie. And I'm sure there was, uh, in every group of friends, there was one kid who was just, you know, Secret slow smile. on purpose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was waiting for the yodel part. <laughs> so as bad as the conditions that the adults were living in, the conditions that the children were living in were absolutely horrific. At the compound's height, 
Some 100 children lived separated from their parents, sick, malnourished, and in some cases, feral. They had terrible rashes, many had fingernails missing, and most had asthma to some degree, all signs of malnourishment and wretched care. Not only were they living in substandard conditions, but they had their own little tyrant to deal with. They gave them a baby tyrant, which is kind of fun. Yeah, it's real fun. Yeah, Yeah, Asahara's third daughter, Reiko. She was seen (laughs) as the heir apparent to the throne and would regularly experiment on children, once burning a child with three different kinds of acid. Just to see what would happen. Like a real scientist. I think it's because she liked him. <laughs> Technically, that is where most Japanese science came from, is just being like, I wonder if it will burn all the way to the skull. Yeah. Or hopefully, in most glorious cases, all the way down to the feet. It seems like that's where all science and medicine came from. No, that's not where all science and medicine came from at all. Yeah, no? so that's, that's where Mengele and Unit 731 science came from. Isn't that where all of it came from? <laughs> <laughs> Some good stuff technically came from it, but it's hard to connect it back without screaming Operation Paperclip over and over again while wearing a suit made out of paper bags. <laughs> so while all of this sounds absolutely insane, it is a mistake to think of Ohm as just a loose collection of malnourished idiots walking around with electrode-infested shower caps shocking themselves every few minutes. That was definitely part of it. That was but definitely I, a part of it. I mean, yeah. that's just more of the style of the time. Yeah. They would also do this thing called prostrations. They, he would also put them through physical labor, right? And they would do sort of like calisthenics and prostrations. Prostrations was this thing, sort of like, uh, what is it, a sun salutation? Mm-hmm. But instead of like you slowly lowering yourself down and then lowering them, then bringing yourself back up, it's slamming face first into the ground, popping back up to your feet. And you'd make them do that a hundred thousand times a day. God, uh, that's impossible. And then if they didn't make it, but this is the thing, they would start realizing they would get into these modes of thought of the, of the guru asks me to do a thing that is essentially an impossible task. Mm-hmm. My hesitation, my questioning of it being an impossible task shows that I don't have enough faith and deserve to be punished. Yeah. And it's, mm. it's, it's part of this mystical thing of sometimes a guru will say something really confusing because he's so enlightened. Yeah. He's moved into a state of pure confusion. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Which is also a, a, but it's also a very like Confucius thing. Yes, uh, where they will say something like, "What is the sound of one hand clapping?" And, just and then like, you're, and but it's like it's, <laughs> it's just waving, it's just waving your hand. Yeah. You just wave your hand. It's waving goodbye to a friend. Is that it? What? Tell me, it sounds like. <laughs> That's what no one understood that one. I, I finally figured it out. It's pretty good. One it hand clapping is jerking, jerking off. off. Wow. Yeah, like the entire religion. Yeah, yes. You just may be the Buddha of last podcast. Yeah, I, I'll take, I'm going to start gaining some weight. <laughs> so, although, yes, there were hundreds of Om Shinrikyo shower cap idiots, but by the early 90s, Shoko Asahara had already begun infiltrating the police as well as almost every government agency. Ohm also had reporters, editors, and even a program director at NHK, the National Broadcaster of Japan, in their ranks, in addition to experts in the fields of engineering, communication, and computing. Yeah, but we can all say the program director. We know them. Bunch of losers. <laughs> what are you ta- I was program director. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's no one's like, we've got, we've got program director Marcus Parks in our cult. Yeah. We're guaranteed to take over the world now. Yeah, program director is an extremely important job. You decide what goes on the radio. That is the truth, You're though. the gatekeeper, Ben. <laughs> Technically, what you do then is you make them feel really important, too. That's what you gotta do. That's a part of your job as the cult kind of liaison. Yeah. Right. The person in charge of what goes on the radio. I'm just very program directors are often mocked behind their backs. Okay. So by the end of 1994, and you'll see 94, big year for Om Shinrikyo. Yeah, and Green Day. Yeah. (laughs) And Weezer as well. A lot of good stuff came out of 1994. Not necessarily Om Shinrikyo. But by 1994, the end of it, the cult even had, in addition to all these other people in so many different professions, so many different branches of government, they also had nearly 40 active members of Japan's military, plus dozens 
of veterans among their ranks. Because they started seeing more other, like, once they see their buddies joining Om Shinrikyo, and also a part of their their propaganda of the way they got people in it, using the sexy girls, using different shit, which we're going to go into really soon, they were fucking wrapped up in it. They just kind of show up and be like, okay, I'm in for the cause, and then all of a sudden they're doing fucking 100,000 flop-downs a day, and mm. wondering why they're covered in gel all the time, but then, by then, you feel too stupid to back out. Yeah. Right. And so you're asking, how exactly did they recruit all these high-powered individuals? Like Henry said, the answer is simple. Sex. Yeah, they Look at that snapping pussies over there. <laughs> <laughs> now, in the early days, Asahara's teachings were extremely pro-sex. He supported the act as a means of reaching enlightenment and got quite detailed with it in his book, The Secret to Developing Supernatural Power, which we will get into now. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Packages by Expedia. You were made to be rechargeable. We were made to package flights, hotels, and hammocks for less. Expedia. Made to travel. Now, my thing is, is that I, mm. but at, there, at some point, I do believe if I had not discovered masturbation, I think I would have been president. You know what I mean? Where <laughs> I, I was a very know. smart, driven child, and then something happened when I found masturbation. And you know, when they all, like, when teenagers become sullen and, and disclosed away from their parents, I mean, yeah. like, they always do that. Yeah. Because now your whole life is masturbating. Yeah, yeah. You're sullen and disclosed, and, you know, they're mm. sullen and closed up because you're, all you're thinking about is boobies slapping against your face. Yeah, you're thinking about when's the next time I'm going to get to jerk off and I can't jerk off around my parents. Why do I want to be around these assholes? <laughs> like they won't let me jerk off in front of them. And That's it's weird what being if I a do. teenager is. <laughs> I don't I think you Crawling towards the next orgasm. <laughs> huh. All right. So what Asahara's sex enlightenment path was, it's a little involved. Yeah. It's a little involved, but let's get into it. First, masturbate daily. For 10 days. Check. But do not ejaculate. What? Never ejaculate. Oh. I'm just saying that's not masturbation, though. <laughs> it's stroking. It's stroking. Be, stroking. I just don't think it's masturbation. <laughs> you be stroking. <laughs> that's what it, That's what he should have called the right. book. You gotta be stroking. You gotta be stroking, yeah. <laughs> and then after you do that for 10 days, start masturbating twice a day. Never ejaculate. What? Do that for a week. Then do it four times a day. God. For a week. Then five. Yep. And then on the sixth week, when you are masturbating six times a day without blowing a load, that's when it's time to find a hot day. Now, what does he mean? Do you come but don't come? You no, 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 no. You, don't, you just hit it a couple it's of times. The, you, call it, you call it a masturbation, and you, and you end the process. Yeah, because no, I can get hard just by, like, literally touching it with my index finger. No, no, no. It's called your edge. Ugh. Your what? <laughs> I thought edge. edging was when you run your teeth over the head. No, 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 no. Edging is when you like bring yourself to the almost to the point of ejaculation. Like you know, you're like, oh, I'm coming right before you say, oh, I'm coming. That's when you stop. But I always oh, say, oh, that's and then why you, you gotta put a pizza in the oven, put the oven timer for seven minutes, and then. Ooh, oh, pizza's ready. <laughs> or just just always be waiting for a package from UPS because you pretty much know. as soon as I'm at that point fully nude from the waist down, <laughs> that's when the package decides to come. Mm -hmm. You leave your shirt on? Yeah. No, I take I get new, fully new. Oh, I, I got to be I got to be fully new. I can't even wear I can't even wear socks. I feel dirtier <laughs> if I have the shirt on. No, I leave my full clothes on sometimes I just pull out the penis through the pants. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. See if I have a shirt on, I feel like a dad. I got to be ready to go just in case there's a fire in the kitchen. <laughs> I put a suit jacket on. <laughs> <laughs> you treat yourself extra nice. Yeah. It's like you're taking yourself out on a date. Mm. <laughs> so, you've been masturbating six times a day for a week. After doing it, five, four, three, two, one, that's when it's time to find your hot date. And once you've convinced a woman to have sex with you... Which, because at this point, semen is literally dripping out of your nose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not good. <laughs> once you have convinced a woman to have sex with you... Insert yourself into the woman as deep as possible. I normally try to do that. But do not 
pull out until you have performed 81 murabandas, which is a kind of penile tensing technique oh, that I could find no information That's on. just clenching your buttholes. That's, yeah, that's, that's male kegels. Yeah, do that 81 times. That's not that, that's not that much. I'll tell you. a woman that you do not know very well. Well, just let her know what you're up to. <laughs> just tell her, be like, hey, I'm about to do a thing. I'm trying to get superpowers. Just shut up. Just shut the fuck up. Shut up. <laughs> or shut up, you can talk up. to her and it doesn't matter. He didn't say the woman couldn't talk. Even though you've been touching yourself six times a day daily, not coming, and you've put in you, and if you've somehow managed to not immediately ejaculate by <laughs> upon sticking your penis inside this woman. Think about baseball. <laughs> I just go fa- faster because of those butts. If you just take the butts out of the, take it away from the dude's head. They're nice butts. <laughs> so, <laughs> hmm. so after the Yankees! <laughs> mm, strange thing to yell when you ejaculate, Henry. So after the 81 <laughs> Murabandas, you pump in and out nine times. Exactly nine times. Then... You do another 81 Moribondas. Then you do 18 thrusts. Then the Moribondas. Then 27 thrusts. And so on and so forth. And at some point, an out-of-body experience happens, and one's supernatural power is increased. I think you just pass out. Yeah, I think the only out-of-body is the chick just leaving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think yeah. she's just like, I don't know what you're doing anymore. And I think your superpower is the shotgun blast of cum that comes yes. out of you that you spackle your walls with like you're a dirty version of Spider-Man. Yes, and you shoot back <laughs> Fly back and back shot in a western. Like in UHF when he's like, fire hose! <laughs> but back at the compound a few years later, Asahara's view on his followers' sex life changed dramatically. Members caught having sex were made to wear dog collars and forced to walk around on their hands and feet, eating only the leftovers of other followers. Masturbation was out, earning offenders up to a week in solitary confinement. But none of this applied to the great guru, Shoko Asahara, who, like any good cult leader worth his salt, slept with as many followers as he possibly could. Well, that was actually one of the intimacy rituals. He had a yeah. thing called an intimacy ritual where he would take the newest female member Which into did, his room. Did not like. No, and he would force himself on them, and they would do it because I'm, you're becoming one with me, and a part of the way you were going to become one with me is that I'm going to do an icing mustache on your upper lip. And that was the weird thing, is I wish he didn't do it Dirty Sanchez every single time, but he yeah. said that's a part of the ritual. Kind of rude. But no, he, he. But in truth, what he was trying to do is said, "I'm trying to create as many direct progeny as possible," and it's a part of the. It's not something that he wants to do. It's something that he has to do. Dog meat. Yeah, I know. Too real. Pretty. And simple. that is too real. It's too real to be denied. <laughs> and speaking of what a good cult is supposed to do, what's an intensely sexed-up monster without a steady diet of illicit, harmful, and mind-bending drugs. It's like a Robert Downey Jr. without a steady diet of illicit, harmful, mind-bending drugs. (laughs) Now, almost without fail, outwardly destructive cult leaders, as the cult gets bigger and the ideas get crazier, these guys eventually developed crazy bad drug habits. See, cult leaders are like a battery that powers the entire cult, and eventually that battery runs low, and the only thing that can replace the manic energy that a person needs to run the day-to-day of an apocalyptic death cult is a steady diet of very powerful, speedy-as-fuck drugs. Well, that's like yeah. being the lead singer of um, a, a Motley Crue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you need all of that. But uh, what one thing that is interesting, too, about him is that he literally was the center of the whole thing. Yeah. The whole cult was supposed to be an offshoot of his whole of his whole personality. But what I find interesting is that I don't think there is much of it. It's, it's not so much that the drugs fuel the paranoia and the theories as that the theories of the paranoia may just be fueled by the drugs. Now, while Jim Jones liked his speedballs, Shoko Asahara's drug of choice was LSD. And Asahara said that his first trip was so strong, he wet his pants and became high like the highest ever <laughs> literally he said that, that is a, a literal quote from him he came high perhaps the highest ever yeah which is what i said when i was 17 when i smoked <laughs> weed for the first time behind a dumpster literally the same way i'm like high yeah. like the highest ever yeah. yeah dude like listening to track four on fucking evil rage against the machines evil empire it's like yeah, dude. Oh, man. Pork soda, dude. <laughs> fucking Primus is the best fucking band I've ever heard, dude. We listened to Queen's Ever uh, Another One Bites the Dust. Yeah, I remember calling my fun. mom and telling my mom three times that my bu- I was hanging out with my buddy Ian. And they keep saying, <laughs> you keep saying. 
Shane, you're hanging out with Ian, man. <laughs> hey, Ian, you're listening to the show. You remember that night we went to Walmart? We played with Hulk gloves. <laughs> oh, that is I, fun. To it do. was really fun. Um, but uh, the. One thing that is interesting, too, about the LSD initiations, this is the first time I've ever heard this. The people in the LSD initiations were taking so much LSD, he would make them wear diapers. Yeah. Because they were on so much LSD, they were pissing their pants. <laughs> That's I can, fun. I've been on a lot of acid, yeah. but I've never been on shit your pants acid. That's why you never see an outhouse at a Pink Floyd concert. <laughs> but they also said a part of what's interesting about the diaper is that they would keep the diaper, he would keep the diapers. Oh, because what? he wanted to make sure if they, they didn't throw out the diapers if the police came looking through the dumpsters. This was one of his speed ideas, <laughs> that if they went looking through the dumpsters and found the diapers, they would see the drug content in their piss and shit. I think he wore them as little hats, too. <laughs> now, soon, Ohm's chemical team, with the help of a book called Recreational Drugs, written by an American named Dr. Buzz, <laughs> would begin manufacturing their own acid, eventually making enough for five million hits. Dr. Buzz, I'm so glad that you saw me so quick. I mean, like, I think I threw my back out at the gym. and no. uh, I think your big problem is, bro, is that you're not fucking groovy enough, dude. Uh, yeah, acid. No. And it wasn't long before every member of Ohm Supreme Truth was walking around every day with a scalp full of electrodes and a brain full of acid. This is the good time. <laughs> yeah, the heady times yeah. in the 60s. This is like 1967. And this, combined with very little sleep and very little food, translated to a lot of industrial accidents and a lot of bodies. Because they're also dealing with chemical weapons in baby stages. Yeah. They're literally having a gigantic weapons factory next to all of this mayhem. Lots of Or in the middle of it. Or all of it's happening around it. (laughs) And with all these bodies around, and since Ohm was trying as hard as they could to escape the attention of the authorities, they disposed of the bodies themselves by cremating them and unceremoniously scattering the ashes among the Mount Fuji foothills. Now, it could be said that Shoko Asahara had kind of a thing for incinerators. He actually <laughs> invented one himself called the final cleaner, which was a device that blasted hot air through a floor of red hot sand that could reduce a human to ashes in half an hour. It that sounds like a product Billy Mays is trying I to Literally, it's just what it's just like. And you would not believe the sheer power of the the final cleaner. Final cleaner. I gotta say, you put a piece of cloth in there, it's like it never had wine stain on it because the cloth is also gone. Oh my god, my hands! Who turned it on, my goddamn hands? <laughs> and even though that sounds like a lot of fun, the incinerator that Ohm would settle on would be a refrigerator-sized device known simply as the microwave. A body would be, again, stuffed into a metal barrel, which would then be placed inside the microwave. After a short period, the body would cook, crumple, and mushify. Now, is mushify your term? Mushify is a term that I used. Yeah. And then after it would mushify, it would crust on the sides of the barrel. Ooh, kind of like a quiche. Kind of like a quiche. Yeah, it's like, you know, when you put a microwave chicken pot pie. Yeah. Oh, I know it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when you put it in for way too long and it kind of sticks to it. Oh, yeah. That's you when you're just in flip-flops, you're not wearing any clothes, you've been drinking for three days, and you haven't right. slept in two. Yeah. Not even your apartment. Yeah, 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 yeah I know it. <laughs> they did that with a body. Wow. Cool. Yeah, and what they would do is they would take the metal barrel out, scrape off what was left of this human being Oof. off the sides, drop the chunks in a solution of nitric acid, and flush them down on the toilet. They should have put it in uh, nitrous oxide and shown the kids how cold it can be and you can break it. <laughs> yeah, that, like is, that would have been good with the kids. No, yeah. no, no. The only thing they taught the kids was to admire Hitler. And by the way, Hitler was still alive. Yeah, was yeah. It? Yeah. No, no, no. That's oh, what in they... This, in this canon. Oh, I, yeah, in, in this, this world. In yeah, Argentina, he yeah. might have been still in alive. In the Ohm Shinrikyo cartoon supervillain mm. world, Hitler was still hanging out somewhere. But he was like a funny uncle. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> but it wasn't just accidents that killed the cult members. By the end of 19... 1994, over 20 cult members had mysteriously gone missing, and Asahara's favorite scapegoat for these disappearances was somebody who'd never done anything wrong to Japan. 
The United States. Japan was asking for it. <laughs> Japan, technically, they did a bunch of shit that we technically used and bought from them and did a bunch of stuff, but they did bad shit and we 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 did bad things back. It's all fucking even in the end as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And so now that they've got their scapegoat, they've mm. got their big overall uh, enemy. Like they've got, well, they've at least got one enemy. They've got a shit ton of enemies. But now that they've got their big enemy, the paranoia really starts to get ramped up and he's really going to use this to his advantage. Well, with like the United States does all the time. The United States either fosters, creates a villain either in our newspapers or literally goes and physically creates something like ISIS. Yeah. Where it's just like we make we made ISIS and now we have to deal with ISIS because we've got a new ultimate warrior to deal with. And it's just like, great, we can go <laughs> deal with this guy later on and he'll be, he's in the roster. So when we need a war later to boost our fucking economy again, we got a new villain down the thing. Why are well, you guys blaming America for Um Shunrikyo? Uh, well, I, I feel mean, like we're having some anti-American sentiment. We didn't make ISIS. We made Al-Qaeda. Well, I think... We did all of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's all fake. And we had I mean, to make Al-Qaeda to fight the Russians. Yeah. Well, yeah, but, but then the Russian that, that fight out? was also fake. They we went do great for us. It did not. It did terrible. No, it was yeah, a wonderful was, war. In the long run, it was awful for uh, everybody involved. All right, leave it alone. I, uh, you guys are both joining the cult. What? What? What are you talking the, about? You're a part of the propaganda machine, Kessel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now you're all an American exceptionalist, are you, man? It is the best country on earth. It we is. I love America. No, you used to say that it wasn't the best country. It was just your favorite. And now you're saying it's the best country on earth. You and it's my favorite. Flip-flopper. He's a flip-flopper. <laughs> oh, now I'm a flip-flopper? You're a flip-flopper. Get on with the story. <laughs> well, this actually, this side of the story is uh, is actually over. How we're going to be doing uh, this part of the story, think Think of it like uh, think of it like a feast for crows and a dance with dragons. The Game of Thrones series. The two mm. books, they both happen at the same time. They both run concurrently, but both stories are so big that they have to be told separately. And while this, so basically, we're seeing the domestic side. This yeah. is Al Machinerikio on the inside. They're developing their own personality. They're becoming fucking nuts. Yeah. They're getting a little crazy, but their storyline's running out of juice. And so now, um, uh, Asahara, in his forever wits, wisdom, mm. is realizing we need somebody else going here and so who am I going who am I going to look to I'm going to look to a neighbor to our west somebody that's got the same sort of like unspent potential mm-hmm. like the members of Om Shinrikyo mm-hmm. and that is the weapons developers inside of Russia oh, yep. very yep. good they go straight to the recently crumbling USSR no. and find everything they ever want. Now think mm-hmm. about this. This is how dangerous this is. So like up until now, we're just seeing like some pretty shitty normal cult stuff except for the biochemical warfare. That is the thing that's pretty fucking crazy, yeah. right? He's he's dipping his toe into into weapons of mass destruction. It's not until he goes to Russia, not, and not like when Napoleon went to Russia and he got his fucking ass kicked, or Hitler when he went to Russia and got his fucking ass kicked. They're going to Russia, and he founds, finds the thing that makes him the most dangerous group probably on the in the fucking world. And I'm going to put it this way, guys who listen to the show, it can happen again. Yeah. This man, all he had was, a, all he needed to do this was a billion dollars. That's all you need to have. If you have a lot of money, we're looking at the fucking Panama Papers right now, right? And this interconnected system of all these weird offshore banks and hidden money it's and shit like that. Evasion. But in that world of tax evasion... No, it's not. There's, there's people... government that, corruption, no, but I'm just saying, um, Shinrikyo is... Like these things are being connected to Syria and ISIS. But you're, yeah, literally, this, these slush funds can be used to make something like Om Shinrikyo again. Just remember that and always be paranoid and never take pamphlets on the train. <laughs> well, yeah. It's bigger. It's already bigger than that. Yeah. This, uh, we wish we, the glory days were Om Shinrikyo. Yeah. Now it's the global government. Well, that is the global government. If we want to get into the Panama Papers, the Panama Papers are legitimately the blueprint for the NWO, but <laughs> that's a whole other series of episodes. Also, rants inside of my apartment. <laughs> They're having fun. All right. Well, that's uh, Om Shinrikyo Part 2. We'll be back next week with Part 3 uh, with the true Cobra Command type of bullshit where you start getting your... Like, he has a Destro. He has a Zomat and Tamox. He's got a... He's got a fucking Baroness. <laughs> like, this guy... Like, it's truly it's fascinating pretty, It's stuff. almost inspiring. Almost, almost inspiring. Yeah, yeah. Just a little bit. He's got to work harder. Yeah. <laughs>
work on your thigh muscles. <laughs> yeah, you can lead yeah. a cult if you can if you can hop on them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, they'll, and they'll get to go to what the the ladies in Chekhov never got to do is go to Moscow. <laughs> oh, please, can we go to Moscow? You're gonna say vote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, guys, thank you so much for all the support that we're getting uh, on the Patreon page. Uh, if you guys want to give to us on Patreon uh, and get a lot of bonus content and even get a T-shirt and possibly a bone, if you give enough, go to <laughs> Patreon.com slash Last Podcast on the left. And if you yeah. want to just buy a T-shirt, go to CaveComedyRadio.com slash merch. And while you're there, check out all the other great shows that we do. Me and Ben do Abe Lincoln's Top Hat and Roundtable of Gentlemen together. Uh, I do uh, Page 7 and Sex on the Human Activities with Jackie Zabrowski. And in fact, coming up in the next couple of weeks, Henry, you're going to be guesting on Page 7 because Molly's getting married. Yeah. Uh, and she's got to plan a lot of shit out. So Henry is going to be guesting on on page seven, and we're definitely going to let you guys know on the Facebook group exactly when that's going to happen. I'm going to those episodes release. I'm going to giggle my way through it, and you I'm going to welcome gl- to our slumber party. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also going to ruin it with some truth. Um, you'll see, you'll see. <laughs> oh, they'll all see. <laughs> it's a celebrity gossip podcast. I know. Cool your fucking, cool I'm actually, your fucking I'm actually excited to relax. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be nice. It's, it's going to be fun, definitely. All right, thanks, guys, so much for supporting the Patreon page. It's unbelievable. Really yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. And we've also got some big news coming up, too. Big here. news. Real big news in the future. That we're is- getting a nuclear weapon. <laughs> oh, I thought we were going to adopt a kid. Damn it. When do we do that? Season four? Yeah. <laughs> when do we get the damn I child? we're already in season five. I think Are we're we? in season four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just that we do 52 episodes a season. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not like all up. the rest of these assholes like, oh, we do eight episode seasons. Like, no, we do 52 episode seasons that never end. It never. It keeps ends. going until we're Very skeletons. <laughs> but I'm hoping, I'm waiting for the robot nanny that we'll get in season seven. Ooh, that'll be exciting. Yes. But she short circuits and falls in love with all of us. <laughs> and then rips our cocks off with her fucking <laughs> mandibles. <laughs> that won't be so bad. All right, everyone. Well, Thanks. hail Satan. Hail yeah. yourselves. And follow us all uh, on Twitter, Marcus Parks, at Ben Kissel, at Henry Loves You. Fo- follow me at Instagram, uh, Henry, at Dr. Fantasty. Uh, at LP on the left for Instagram. Instagram as well. Mm-hmm. F- f- watch Marcus's show or listen to it with your uh, your ear eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to uh, the Lucky Bone Show, which is very good. I masturbated while I was playing in the background yesterday. Thank you, you, Marcus. I did. Yes, I did. Why, that was it. Was that? a mistake, but it was, it was a, a part of it. I mean, it was a sexy episode. I no, mean, well, I masturbated well, to his voice. No, 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 no. I yeah. I don't. I I stop stroking when he talks. Yeah, I only talk for what? like thirty seconds at a time to do like, hey, you just listen to that, and you're going to listen to it. And by that uh, point, I'm such in a weird like. Uh, like phase, then then it's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a yeah. I put it. It was a high energy playlist, so I could see someone jerking it to that. Mixcloud.com/slash Marcus Parks, Lucky Bone Show, and yep. go follow me on Spotify as well. I've got literally uh, dozens upon dozens of playlists for you guys to peruse. Awesome. All right, check those out. Don't. Ma- I mean, I guess masturbate if you want to. Just don't do it in public. Just do what you got to listen to music in public. Yeah, you know dude. what? Come by the Murderfish Show this Saturday at the Pit uh, yeah. at n- nine o'clock. I'm I- gonna be there. Yeah, come by because I. Are uh, you gonna masturbate? There too, yeah. Obviously, it's sketch. <laughs> I, I, I come by that. I, it's going to be a really good show. I'm really excited for it. Mm-hmm. That's the People's Improv Theater, right here in beautiful New York. Thank you. Yeah, yeah it is a great right. show. I'll be there too. I didn't know. I didn't know you guys had a live show. Yeah, we always do. And once a month, second <laughs> Saturday. When you, you guys have been doing that for a while? Nine years. <laughs> Nine years, huh? Yes. Huh. yes. Sketch comedy. Yeah, huh? yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, well, how again, everybody? All right, Magusta Lasho. Yeah, Magusta Lasho. Don't join a cult today, okay? Wait till tomorrow. <laughs> Sleep on it. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. Hey, have you heard the Virginia Lottery has a new Willy Wonka Golden Ticket Scratcher that has a top prize of $100,000? Tell that to my automated Golden Ticket Scratcher apparatus. You simply put the ticket in here, and the machine scratches it for you. And while we wait, we can play the Willy Wonka Golden Ticket online game with a top prize of $1 million. Just visit VALottery.com or use the lottery app. That's one impressive scratcher apparatus. Use it whenever. What's mine is yours. But hands off the scratcher. That Willy Wonka Golden Ticket is all mine.